ups and downs, peaks and valleys. We use these directional terms to often refer to kind of the emotional ups and downs, journeys, struggles, the highs and lows of life, good times and bad times, joys and, and difficulties. In the gospel, we see that high places, the mountain, it's also where you go to encounter God. Think of Moses going up the, the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. Today, Jesus goes up Mount Tabor, the Mount of the Transfiguration, to reveal himself as God. We associate high places, mountains, with clear sight, vision, enlightenment, the ability to see clearly and to encounter God. The opposite is the, the valleys. There, Scripture speaks of, Lo, though I walk in the dark valley, or to be abandoned in the valley of affliction. To be in a dark valley is the opposite of being up high. It's to be caved in on all sides. The immediacy of all the troubles of life pressing upon us. It is associated with sadness. Down is the opposite of where you go to encounter God. At least it seems that way. Down is like hell. That's where Satan is. Down. God is up and hell is down. All these directional things. I think it's important that as we go through life then, we, we realize that life does indeed have its ups and downs. It is an emotional journey. And today our readings give us, first of all, the, the great figure of Abraham. A lot of us probably don't know much about the story of Abraham. We, we know Abraham was one of those Old Testament patriarch guys, but talk about ups and downs in your life. Abraham, Abram at the time, was living a pretty good, comfortable life over in Iraq, having a nice time in Ur, you are the, the city Ur of the Chaldeans. And God says, hey, Abram, I want you to pack up your life and move to this land that I'm going to show you off to the west. What? I'm happy here. Yeah, follow me. Do what I tell you. And, and Abram does. And so he, he goes all the way from what would be probably Iraq today, all the way across Mesopotamia, the Fertile Crescent, all the way down and over to what is today the mountains of Jerusalem. But long before it was anything. And, and God says, great, I'm glad you followed me. Here you are, Abram. Guess what? I'm going to give you this place as your heritage. And Abram probably would have looked around and said, you got to be kidding. There's nothing here. It's a terrible place. Those of you that have been to the Holy Land, Jerusalem, it, it's a desert. Abram would have probably said, I was kind of happy back in Ur, and this is what you're going to give me? This middle of nowhere? I'm on, on top of a, a mountain, and all I see is desert all around me. This is no good. And then God makes him a promise that, no, this will be your land. And more than that, you will have a multitude of descendants. Well, this really brought up a sore spot because Abraham had no children. In fact, he was very old. His wife was very old. And it was a real sore spot that he had no children. So talk about a downer. And yet God says, I'm going to give you children. Make your descendants as numerous as the stars 
or the sand on the sea. Okay. Abram believes God. And eventually he will have his son Isaac. Now Abram is, is back on a high. <laughs> wow, God is faithful. It was a pretty low point, not having any child, being far from my home. But God is faithful. And now, now Abram gets his name changed to Abraham. Abram kind of means father. Abraham means father of a multitude. And it looks like God is being faithful. Imagine how Abraham would have felt. He would have been down in the dumps, no children, no descendants. But now he's on a high point. God has been faithful. He's given him the land. He's given him a descendant, Isaac, who will be his heir. God is being faithful. Wow. Abram would have felt so close to God. And then we get today's scripture reading. Abraham, here I am, he replied. Take your son, Isaac. Yeah, my son, Isaac, I love him. Yeah, Isaac, your only one, whom you love. As if God is trying to be sure that we're clear about this. Go to the land of Moriah, and you will offer him as a holocaust. Literally a burnt offering. <laughs> on a height that I will point out to you. Can you imagine being Abraham? Like, God, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about this whole promise thing. You've given me a descendant, Isaac. This is great. Now you, you want me to kill my son? And God is clear, like, you're only one. Like, yeah, how am I gonna have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky if I kill my only son? Who, by the way, yeah, I love a whole lot. And amazingly, Abraham trusts. And what would have had to be a low point, he agrees to sacrifice his son because God asks him to. And because Abraham is faithful, he has incredible faith. It tells us in the letter to the Hebrews that Abraham reasoned that even if he killed Isaac because God asked him to, God must be able to raise someone from the dead. Now, this is early in the Old Testament, long before Jesus and the resurrection of the dead. And so the letter to the Hebrews in the New Testament says this is the greatest faith ever. Abraham foresaw the resurrection of the dead in being willing to sacrifice his son Isaac. He agrees to do it. And so then, right as he's about ready to kill Isaac, God speaks again. Abraham It's like, yeah, here I am. Kind of at a low point right now, God. It's like, do not lay your hand on the boy. Do not do the least thing to him. Uh, great, <laughs> but you're the one that told me to. This is really confusing, God. Okay, now I know how devoted you are to God, since you did not withhold from me your own beloved son. I don't know about you, but I, I don't like this whole kind of like testing thing of Abraham. The whole... Reading starts with, God put Abraham to the test. Does that sound like a happy reading? Not to me. Like, God put Abraham to the test? I'm thinking, this sounds bad. You know, when the teacher shows up and says, guess what, class, there's going to be a test. Not many people are happy about it. And I can't imagine that Abraham was very happy about it either. But in the end, he's back on a high. God has said, now I know that you will hold nothing back from me. I will not only fulfill my promise to you, but even more so, 
Amazing. I swear by myself, says the Lord, because you acted as you did and not withholding your only beloved son, I will bless you abundantly and make your descendants as countless as the stars of the sky or the sand on the seashore. <clears throat> your descendants shall take possession of the gates of their enemies, and in your descendants all the nations on earth shall find blessing. All this because you obeyed my command. Wow. Abraham is back on top. What, a, what an incredible journey. Ups, downs, hills, valleys, peaks. I don't know if I could be so kind of patient as Abraham was. I definitely don't know if I would be really so clear that God wants me to sacrifice my son. And yet, somehow, Abraham goes through all of this. Peaks and valleys. The great spiritual masters of the church point out to us that life is filled with these kinds of ups and downs, but the key is to note that neither the valley nor the peak is, is really the most permanent place where we live. We tend to live rather on the plain in between. And so the spiritual key is that when you are in the valley, don't think that it will remain like this. Rather, see the valley as temporary. It won't always be like this. And that's, that's really what Abraham was able to do when he's down in the dark valley of God asking him to sacrifice his son. He probably imagined what his life would be like without Isaac, but he also imagined that it won't always be like this. <clears throat> God gave me my son Isaac, so he must be able to give him back to me because God promised. Wow. I don't know about you, but how many of us, when we're in a valley, are able to have that kind of faith to say, okay, Lord, this is terrible. This person has died. This relationship has ended. Health is gone. This job is gone. Think of all the terrible things. What do we do when terrible things happen to us? Do we calmly reason? Well, God must, must have his ways, and I'll just, I'll just accept that it won't always be this way. I don't know. I know that's what I'm supposed to do. Okay, God, you're God. I'm not. So I trust you. Yeah, that's a lot easier said than done. But we know that that is what we're supposed to do. But the other side is something maybe we don't think of. When we're on the mountaintop, when things are really good, we should also remember that this is temporary, just like the valley. And that's really the, the lesson of our our gospel today. When, when Peter sees Jesus glorified, looking like God, he is so close to what it's like to be in heaven that he's like, let's stay. You know what, Jesus? Let's, let's make three tents. He's like a good boy scout. You get there, you're like, let's set up camp. This is awesome. Jesus appears like God. I can see him. There's no suffering. There's no pain. We're on a mountain. It's got a nice view. Let's just stay here. Let's put up camp. And of course, they can't do that. They have to come back down the mountain. But I would think that Peter, James, and John would never forget that moment on top of the mountain. In fact, that's how we should be when we're on top. I can look at moments in my life where I'm like, I know God is real. <clears throat> I have felt his presence so tangibly. I have had miracles witnessed. I have had incontrovertible proof of God's love for me, his presence in the world. And I have to stop and say, store that up. 
Remember it, because you will need it. That's what Peter, James, and John had to did, do because they would need it just a few weeks later on another mountain when Jesus is crucified on Mount Calvary. And they would be tempted to doubt. Maybe Jesus wasn't who he said he was. Maybe this is all for nothing. Maybe we're all going to die now at the hands of the Romans and it all meant nothing. At that valley kind of moment, they could look back and say, no, we saw Jesus glorified on Mount Tabor in the transfiguration. We know that's real. Don't doubt just because we're in the valley now. Remember what it was like to be on the mountain. What are your peaks and, and valleys? Because they're, they're both important. When we're in the valley, remember it won't always be like that. When you're on the mountaintop, store it up and remember it won't always be like that. So that when you're in the valley, you could say, I remember. I remember what it was like when I was sure about my faith, when I was sure about God. This is just a valley. It's just a valley. It won't always be like this. And when we're on the mountaintop, remember, this is, this is wonderful. It's great, but it's, it's just a temporary mountain. Store it up. Remember it, because it won't always be like this. For someone who was born in Kansas and lived most of my life in Kansas, I really love mountains. I'm like, could we take some of them and, like, put them here? I love, I just did my annual retreat and I went to Colorado and I just love to go hike around the mountains. But then I got to come back. And yeah, Kansas is kind of flat. But you know what? It's got its beauty, those of us that are from Kansas. You know, when I'm in Colorado, the sun sets at like 3.30 in the afternoon behind the mountain. You, you, you don't get to see a sunset really in Colorado. You do in Kansas. It's got its beauty. There's something about a little bit of flatness too. Most of our lives are lived more like in Kansas. Colorado's a nice place to visit. Mountains are good. But Kansas is kind of nice. It's the way life is most of the time. A little flat, a little level, a little blah, a little boring. Not so much excitement. Today, we're grateful for those times in our lives that give us peak excitement. We could even be grateful for the times in our lives that strain us, that after we get out of the valley, we could say, boy, God rescued me. Good. But right now, a lot of us are probably called to just keep going. If you're in a valley, pray. Pray hard. Ask people to pray for you. If you're on a mountaintop, good. Share that with others. Spread the good news. But most of us probably need the help just to take the next step one day at a time. That's our journey. So today, be glad for your transfiguration moments. Even be glad for the valley. And then just keep going. That's what Jesus asks us to do. One boring, flat Kansas day at a time.